Royish Good Looks and Joey, together again. This episode, Royce and I have a one-on-one. We talk a little bit about the Bad Batch, and we talk a lot a bit about canon. Important to storytelling, or canon schmanon who needs it? All this and more on this episode of Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan. Today, Royce and I are having a one-on-one powwow session. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bad Batch. We're going to talk about the importance or I guess lack of importance maybe of canon storytelling within Star Wars. Visions might have thrown us for a loop. I find your lack of canon disturbing. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, that's how I should have started. Uh, So yeah, and we'll probably talk about some other stuff. Royce just watched The Bad Batch, so that's really exciting for me. Finally, someone to talk about it with that's not, like, on Twitter. Someone sort of face-to-face. Anyway, if you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out with your feelings. We're on Twitter, at Krypton Alderaan. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Krypton to Alderaan. Or you can pew-pew us an email at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Is that all the things? Solid. There's just so many things. Royce. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to get into the weeds with you because I know you have been on the chain on the normal Krypton to Alderaan episodes, and now you can be off of the chain. (laughs) Don't go into the long grass. Remember that in Jurassic Park, The Lost World? That's what I feel like when you said going into the weeds. You're the human going into the weeds that is Star Wars animated canon, and I'm the Velociraptor waiting there. Is that good? Fair enough. Content? Yeah. (laughs) All right, so you just watched Bad Batch. (laughs) You just released a Royish Good Looks podcast episode about you watching Bad Batch. How'd you like the Bad Batch? Is the Bad Batch your first introduction, like your first true introduction into animated Star Wars? It's the first time that I actually appreciated it on a serious level. Well, maybe that's not totally true. When when Clone Wars first came out, I was really excited to see it because it was like the first Star Wars TV show. So we were like, we got to watch it. This is brand new. Right. And there wasn't Star Wars all the time. But I kind of slept on all the animated series for a while. And the Bad Batch was the first one that I was like, I'm watching episode one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way to the finale and texting you through the whole thing. (laughs) So I suppose it's fair. I've given the Clone Wars and Rebels a chance, but never stuck with them. So I was able to stick with the Bad Batch for some reason. Maybe we'll get into it. I don't know. But it held my attention for the entire 16 episode season. So there's something to say about that. Well, that's really interesting and might already get us off the rails because I really want to know why you think that would have happened. But backing up a little bit, when you say when the Clone Wars first came out, do you mean the show or the anime movie, the uh, whatever they were called, like the miniseries of movies or... Well, so I think there's one movie, right? Like there Clone, was like Clone Wars was the movie. Yes, there was the movie that was animated like the Clone Wars TV show ended up being animated. And then there was that like series of more like 
it was a different animation style. The Captain Jack one. The, like, I think they're 2D in the one. vintage uh, Star Wars collection. On, yeah. So yeah, Disney Plus. No, I'm referring to the 3D looking animated one when I'm saying the Clone yeah. Wars. Okay. Uh, but I saw that movie when it was in theaters because that was another like, there's a new Star Wars movie. But right. I think that kind of set the tone for like, this is not epic Star Wars content. It's just kind of like an extra fun little adventure show. And I feel like that's where the divide for the beginning of this conversation is between like <laughs> animated stuff just being, I don't want to say for kids because I feel like that's not the right terminology, but it's just not quite as meaty as like the Mandalorian or the rest of the movies on a surface level. Yeah. People say that all the time. I think with, with like the Clone Wars, it was seven seasons and you've really got to get past some stuff, especially early on. But then the storytelling gets very, as you put it, meaty. Much like the Bad Batch does, and Rebels is, is another level. Like, just something for everyone, I think. But you're getting into Rebels now. Well, I had, it's like, what do I do next? I binged all <laughs> of that. I guess I got to keep going. I'm also just kind of like ready for new Star Wars was the thing. Like, there's nothing yeah. out there right now unless you want to get into the obscure canon until maybe like Book of Boba Fett comes out. So it feels kind of like a good time to like accumulate more Star Wars knowledge. So we'll see how far I get with Rebels. I'm, I think I'm on like six or seven in season nice. one so far. So we're trucking through. Well, I'll try to keep you motivated. So why do you think the Bad Batch was so... Why do you think you stayed so involved in it or it, it caught your attention? It was able to keep your attention? A couple of things. I think one, because I watched it in like a way different format than I normally would watch any show. I watched it on my laptop, like at my kitchen table, like over coffee in the morning, you know? So I made it like kind of a routine of like, I'm going to binge one or two episodes, like sipping my morning coffee kind of thing. And I wore headphones through it as well. So I was like locked in rather than like sitting on the couch, like texting, playing with my cats. Like I was just zoned into the show. Dude, watching it on headphones, there's like explosions and sound effects in the music. And even the dialogue is so much more crystal clear than like on your crappy TV speakers, you know? <laughs> right. So it just kind of like pulled me in on the production level, which I love stuff like that in general. On the story side though, I think they had not quite like the J.J. Abrams mystery box, but like they set up a lot of like, hmm, I want to know more about Omega, which like, in my opinion, it's more of the Omega show than like the Bad Batch show, much like the Mandalorian is like the Grogu baby Yoda show more than the Mandalorian. Like there's that whole father-son dynamic thing or mm -hmm. father-daughter dynamic, I guess, in Bad Batch. And I wanted to know more about her and where that was going to go throughout the season. Yeah. And she's still a big mystery. Yeah. I like that. I like all the mystery stuff as well. It made me really want to know more about their whole world, more about it all, more about the Kaminoans, more about Omega, more about the clones. I think Cut and Run is one of the first episodes and we meet one of the clones who was a deserter and they're like helping him and his family get off whatever planet they're on and stuff. And, and his chip didn't get activated. And then later we see Hauser kind of not not really showing the full effects of the inhibitor chip, I think. So there's all that mystery to it as well, which really intrigued me. But I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch it anyway. 
Well, a lot of people complained, maybe not complained, but like one of the tropes of the prequels is like there's the indispensable clone army and the indispensable battle droid army. And you don't really like relate to any of those characters. It's just like two armies going at it, blowing each other up and like they're clones, they're droids. It doesn't matter. But that is really cool that you start meeting more of these clones. I know you probably meet these same characters and rebels in the Clone Wars, but in Bad Batch, you're like meeting all these like deserting clone troopers. And yeah, there's like mystery there. Like they're in the galaxy in like the original trilogy era and beyond. Like I want to know how more of that develops. I thought a lot of the Empire world building was a solid selling point as well for the Bad Batch. Like how people are adapting to the new order of things. Yeah. So it's just a kind of a cool like landscape. It, it literally is new Star Wars. It's not, doesn't feel like a prequel, you know, where it's just kind of explaining stuff for the sake of explaining stuff. Yeah. Something that I really love about the Clone Wars that I think brought up for a lot of people was the Clone Wars really got us knowing the clones and like my favorite characters from the Clone Wars besides Ahsoka it, are the clones. And each one has an individual personality. They start naming themselves or they name each other. And it connects you to them in a way that is different than what you're explaining the movies did, which I really appreciated. You know, I love those Star Wars heartfelt connections. And the Clone Wars really attached us to the clones. And they, they weren't just indispensable or dispensable soldiers. They were human beings. Some of them started deserting. Some of them started questioning, like, we were built for war. What happens when the war is over? You know, they want the war to end, but then what do they do when the war is over? And all that kind of stuff. That's what I really loved about the Clone Wars. But we brought all of this up on our last Krypton to Alderaan episode with everybody. We were talking about sort of our storylines for The Mandalorian, and we had a conversation about canon. And I love canon. I'm the canon guy the importance of canon, whether we need it or not, all that kind of stuff, which is something I'd like to get a little bit more in with you, maybe do a little bit more of a deep dive in today. And having just watched The Bad Batch for you, because there's like cameos and callbacks and call forwards and stuff. So what I want to know is, how annoying is it that every week my opinion on canon seems to change? I'm like on the <laughs> fence of like... I don't want to have to watch everything to get it, but I've watched some of the extra canon, some episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels and now the Bad Batch, and I'm seeing some of the other connections, and it's fun. I don't want to be a slave to canon, you know? Right. When the episode of The Mandalorian, The Jedi, came out, we watched it, and you tweeted and said that something like you thought Lucasfilm was relying too heavily on canon and that it was and that they didn't need to do that just write good storytelling which I to a point agree with I do think that you shouldn't rely I made this point in our last episode don't rely on it but I love those connections when you're watching the bad batch do you feel like you have to know other stuff when they introduce a character that you know is in another thing do you did you have that same reaction while watching the bad batch no that a lot of that just felt more natural to me. Like the Kaminoans are like, it just makes sense. They're in that time period. They would be there and they're like dismantling the clone program or whatever. And other than like the couple of random characters that are also in Rebels and then also maybe Clone Wars, like that seemed natural to me. 
where it bugs me is literally in, is that the Ahsoka episode yeah, in Mandalorian? Yeah, yeah. It's cool that she got an episode, but then at the end, she's like, where is Admiral Thrawn? And it just seemed like a very obvious, like, setup for the Ahsoka Tano show kind of thing. Like, at least Boba Fett was in, like, the entire season and teased the season before. So he felt like a character in the show. Whereas Ahsoka was literally just like a one-off side story adventure. It kind of just feels like they did that to set up her show. It's a cool episode. But then even that tagline about Thrawn to me just felt like they threw it in there because of the existence of her show and that maybe being the plot of the show rather than it pertaining to the Mandalorian, which it doesn't, you know? It's literally, yeah. it felt like an advertisement to me. So I think it's hard to like have cameos that feel natural versus like, shoehorning them in because we're trying to create this giant web and maybe just the first couple like you know pillars they put up have to be ripping the band-aid off like that with Bo-Katan and Ahsoka just like boom they're in just accept these brand new characters and all of the canon and weight that comes along with them yeah that's interesting yeah I guess it just see I don't know this is the part that's really interesting because I want to know if it didn't affect me because I know the, it didn't affect me in that way because I know the characters already. So I'm connected to the canon. Whereas if someone who was watching who didn't know anything about this, there's a spectrum is what I'm saying, right? So I know them all and I've seen them exist. You know that they exist. And so you're watching it from that perspective. And then there are people who are watching it who have no idea that these characters exist. Right. And how do they feel watching it? Like, are they affected in the same way you are, or are they just like, oh no, cool, new characters. But then we continue onward and there's no Thrawn or Ahsoka anymore. So how does that feel? I guess to answer the question that you asked, I would say, no, it's not <laughs> annoying. I'm changing my mind all the time too. And one of the biggest things that have that has made me like, that has brought this question back up in my mind recently is Visions. So I'm very excited for Visions. I think it looks great. I've talked about it a little on the podcast before. I'm excited about how it looks. I'm excited about what it is, uh, like the anime aspect of Star Wars. I'm really excited at the idea of Lucasfilm continuing to go out and getting people to create this stuff that are fans. So that's really exciting to me. And we know it's not canon, and I'm super excited for it. So what does that mean to you, that it, that it's not connecting to anything that it has no real weight to the overall like Star Wars universe. Like, what does that mean? Especially as someone who's like, I'm the canon guy. <laughs> maybe it's because I've been reading comic books for a very long time. Or maybe, or I, I guess I don't know. The only thing I can con attribute it to is like my idea of how the comic books, the universes work within comic books. And the way I see Star Wars is that there are real stories, right? There's like the canon universe that's like actually happened, right? And that's fine. I'm watching it and thinking like, this happened. With something like Visions or some of the extended universe or Legends stuff. Vintage. Yeah, vintage, whatever. Whatever title they have for it now. I just think of it as just that, like legends, like, right? Like we have myths in our society, but there's also reality going on, right? So we can, so I think of it very much that way, where there's stories that they tell, like in my mind, visions, the stories 
that Visions is going to tell are stories told within the Star Wars universe. Myths, legends, that kind of stuff. That's a cool way to look at it. I mean, when you meet Rey, isn't she immediately like, I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth. There's no reason that they can't sort of live kind of side by side with canon, you know? Right. Just, just like the the other Clone Wars cartoon could kind of exist in the same sense. It doesn't mean it's worthless, but it is kind of weird that it's not canon and it's not labeled right. as like, what if? Where you're like, of course, it's a what if. So that's just a different take. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be any kind of like acknowledgement to that in like the crawl or something when these things begin. If like you said, like this story is a legend or something, you know, is there a tagline there? Huh. Or is that just thinking too much about it sort of thing? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think that would be an interesting thing for them to do because not everybody is going to, not everybody watching might understand that it's, not considered canon. Exactly. Saying the word canon over and over again is also getting <laughs> irritating and hearing it. And it's just like really starting to hate just the label of it. You know, like it's just become a, another. It's like a religion. Like you're obsessed with like it. It's this is the Old Testament, New Testament. Like yeah. this is what I believe. I just like I love it. And I love the continuity of storytelling. I just love it. But it's just become another thing for like Star Wars fans to fight over. And it's, mm. I think, like an overall, like the arching theme is that you don't have to like everything. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. But also, like, don't shit on other people who do like it. Like, we can all just like the stuff and coexist. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be volatile. Like Hunter says to Crosshair in the last episode of The Bad Batch. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we have to be enemies. Uh, so I wrote that quote down because I'm like, I'm putting this in a song at some point. I want to do a deep dive into the Bad Batch because I want to talk about how much that line irks me in the context of the story. But I think it's a very important line of dialogue in yeah. general. The sentiment yeah. is exactly what needs to be said. In the context of the story, I have a lot of problems with it. But that's a conversation for another day. One of my like pandemic like positives that I've picked up in the past year and a half is like I've been Ooh, reading a lot more. Pan hashtag pandemic positives. That we could get that trending, I think. Yeah. So I've been reading a lot like goofy self-help in like business oriented books. Yep. And I just read uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And one of my quotes that I wrote down from it, he says, in the act of tearing something apart, you lose its meaning. And that's like exactly what Star Wars fans do with like every single piece of content. It's like you overanalyze it <laughs> and you ruin the whole point. When if you talk to someone like George Lucas or Dave Filoni, they're going to be like, it's a family show. You're supposed to like grow in love and just be merry and just enjoy it for what it is. And we've obviously said that a lot on the Krypton to Alderaan podcast before, but it's really important to remember, especially if something is going to come out that's not canon and all of a sudden you're like, it doesn't tie in. I don't like this. Yeah. So don't tear it apart. You're missing the point. Right. I mean, we, we analyze like our bread and butter on this show is analyzing Star Wars stuff. What we're never going to do is tell someone else that they're wrong based on what they like or don't like compared to what we like or don't like. You know, if they're being ignorant or bigoted or if they or anything like that, obviously that's a different story. But 
in the context of the storytelling, let's just all like what we like and let others like what we like. Just like... So before we were talking, I meant to bring this up before. Listeners, this is relatively unscripted, so I'm backing up a little bit. Relatively. Uh, (laughs) I've got one, two notes. (laughs) Um, In terms of like just being able to watch it without having to feel like, to feel connected to the connections being made, a lot of this stuff just ends up being so meta. It's almost like what Yoda told Luke, right? Which particular quote? Always looking to the future, never your mind on where you are or what you're doing. Just focus on what's going on right then and there without trying to make those connections, I think is very important. And and again, the label of canon makes us put blinders on sometimes and say, hey, I need to make these all these connections all at once instead of being able to maybe just sit back, relax, and enjoy the thing. Yeah, I think we've been conditioned to do that to a degree with like, this probably just affects the people that are on YouTube more anyway. The people that are reading Twitter threads and watching YouTube theories and whatnot are the people that get bent out of shape about it. When I talk to like fringe Star Wars fans, or maybe not fringe, but more casual fans, like they just love Star Wars. Yeah. There's not anything for them to like bitch and complain about. <laughs> right. Yes. And I... Certainly within the past couple of years, honestly, if you go back to listen to some of our early episodes, this just wasn't how I saw the world. But I've listened to other people's perspectives. I've been, I've been more in this very nice Star Wars community, especially on Twitter and YouTube. And that's really changed things for me. And it's just, it just eventually became, I just love Star Wars. There's no need to be, to be anything else, you know? Maybe there's some stuff I like or don't like, but also then listening to other people's perspectives about it changes my appreciation for it. So it's all there. Like the potential to like it is always there. I will say that like this is all coming up because even though I'm in this sort of more in this community on Twitter, these sort of Star Wars, not sort of, these Star Wars haters still get in. And also Facebook is a whole different story. I see a lot more hate on Star Wars Facebook than I do on within my Star Wars Twitter timeline. So it just fuels these conversations. Uh, It just takes one comment and then everyone's one up in each other with the things that are ticking them off and then you snowball into, you know, disarray. Yeah. Like there's a lot of hate for visions for lots of reasons. A lot of them, a lot of them bad racist reasons, but uh, what are you going to do? Okay. So back to canon. I'm just curious if you didn't know that the Darksaber had existed in animated canon already, pre-The Mandalorian, would you have felt the same way you felt when watching it in The Mandalorian? Last episode, you you talked about like them shoehorning in the description of the Darksaber and all that stuff. So I'm very curious. Yeah, I think that's another example of not so much like setting up another story like they did with Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? But they clearly need to establish that backstory to get to the next season or the next plot point in Mandalorian. And it's not that there's a lot of history there, but they had to catch everybody up literally in, I don't know, you could time it out. It's got to be like a 30-second monologue where he's like, no, that's the Darksaber. The person who holds that gets to rule Mandalore. That's the planet where the Mandalorians are from. (laughs) Oh, but you have to win it in battle. That's the one thing. And he can't just hand it over to you. So, uh uh-oh. All that makes sense, but it just doesn't 
that's the tell, don't show me. Like, they did it wrong. Like, you have to establish some of that for it to be naturally compelling to me. Like, that's just expository dialogue, which is like a trope in modern storytelling and film, I feel like. Yeah. Put all this information in, and then explosions. But they have to get it in there some somehow. So I don't know how else they would have done it. But that history exists through Clone Wars and through Rebels. Right. And did I see that before that episode? I think I did the Mandalorian history binge before that episode. So right. I kind of got it. But even knowing that, it kind of made it worse because you know that they're just tacking this in there. And all of the Fringe fans won't have that context. They'll only have that 30 seconds of dialogue, which doesn't mean anything, you know? They didn't see anyone wielding the dark saber and ruling over Mandal. Isn't that what Darth Maul does at one point? Yeah. He beats somebody. And t- so you don't have the full context and the full weight of it. And I think that's something they'll have to make up for in the future. Hopefully they can and continue expanding on it. But yeah, I thought that was a little bit fast paced for it to be, I'm trying to think of a better word for it. Like it just feel natural and yeah. not shoehorned, you know? Yeah, right. I suppose that's true. Again, it would be interesting Listeners, if you haven't watched any of the animated stuff and you have answers to these questions, let us know. Because I'd be really curious to know if someone who didn't know that that had existed pre The Mandalorian, what that what that line of dialogue or what that scene felt like. I mean, it's really cool when they show it at the end of the first season and you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. That's a great J.J. Abrams mystery box thing. Like, I want to know more about that. They don't explain any of that through the rest of the season other than... Bo-Katan says she wants the Darksaber at some point, but they don't sprinkle in the history leading up to the finale. They just throw it all at you. I guess that would have maybe been a good way to do it. I don't mean to rewrite things or bash the way they wrote it, but maybe like a flashback showing how Bo-Katan lost to the Darksaber, that she was the ruler of Mandalore because of the Darksaber, and then she lost it. The Empire took it somehow. Yeah, you could have just had Din ask. He could have been like, what's so special about that stupid sword? (laughs) Right. What's really cool that they do in Rebels when they introduce the Darksaber is they have this little animation that shows Tar Vizsla, who created the Darksaber and used it to unite Mandalore or whatever. But it's obviously Rebels is an animated show, but then they break out and do this other different animation style thing to tell the story of the Darksaber. And I love it. I love when shows or movies do that. Like in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, when they're when Hermione, I think, is describing the Deathly Hallows or whoever, and it does that animation thing. They do it in Legion, maybe at the end of season one, when he's like figuring out the stuff about the Shadow King and it's the chalkboard animation stuff. I love it when shows do that and Rebels did that. And that might have been a cool way to introduce it well as well. But anyway. Well, they give a little uh, flashback with Din when he's getting his armor smelted and we get to see that he was rescued by Mandalorians from like yeah the super battle droids or whatever. They could have, I think that would have been deserved. So we got a whole Ahsoka episode and then she Fs off for the rest of the season. <laughs> we should have had a Bo-Katan backstory episode, you know? Mm. And maybe we will. I mean, they're, uh, maybe they're just dropping these nuggets in here and there. It's not to say that the season wasn't enjoyable or that Bo-Katan isn't a cool character in the show. Like, it's still fun. It's just, it it makes you wonder, like, is it required to fully enjoy the story to see any of this extra stuff? Like, I feel like that's kind of where we wanted to culminate with this conversation Yeah, to some degree. I guess you and I can't answer it because we've already seen too much of it to, to not be biased about it. 
So if anyone's listening, we got to hear from them. But yep. that's the question is like, do you have to watch all the other stuff or not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the question almost becomes, do you have to not watch anything else in order to enjoy the thing you're watching? Do you have to have not watched anything else? Do you have to know that it exists? Or do you have to have watched everything? And the other part of the conversation is the responsibility of people like you who have consumed all the canon to somehow still coexist with the (laughs) non-canon people. So that's the other tough thing. You know, like, oh, if you're at a party and someone's asking about the Darksaber and like theorizing about it and you're like, actually, it has this whole history. It's a weird conversation to have because you don't want to belittle their, like you said, like the way that they're enjoying the Mandalorian story. That's very true. On the other hand, what you just made me realize is that I love having those conversations and I love showing off my Star Wars <laughs> knowledge. I, I promise everyone I'm not a dick, but I just love showing off how Star Wars smart I am. Hey, there's a term we haven't used in a long time. So I do like that when they're like, what's the deal with the Darksaber? And I'm like, how much time? do you have? How familiar are you with the Gear Wars? (laughs) But also in The Mandalorian, like, Sabine just gives the Darksaber to Bo-Katan and they don't have to fight over it, and that's weird. But anyway, so that's our question. Listeners, let us know how you feel about canon. Let us know, like, how much canon you've consumed, whether you think it's important or whether you're just going to watch everything. And if you didn't know like stuff like the Darksaber or Ahsoka or any of those things existed pre the Mandalorian, what effect that had on your enjoyment of the those episodes. Let, let's make an official Twitter poll. Yeah. I don't know how we can clean up that dialogue, but let's let's figure it out. <laughs> Let, let's figure out how to do a like, I've consumed X amount of canon and I care. I've consumed no canon and I don't care. You know, like where do people fall on that spectrum? It would be interesting to know. Because yeah. I would still consider myself a really big Star Wars fan but I haven't seen seven full seasons of The Clone Wars. And I do feel like that demerits my Star Wars smart credibility, you know? I, I do understand how you feel. However, I think you, you can be a Star Wars fan if you want to be a Star Wars fan. If you've read a comic book or you've read a book or you've seen a show or you've seen a movie or you've never done anything or if you just have like trading cards and you want to say you're a Star Wars fan, you can be a Star Wars fan. Don't let anybody gatekeep or anything like that. Just enjoy whatever you want to enjoy, whatever aspect of it you want to enjoy. And don't shit on other people's enjoyment of a thing that you don't enjoy. That's how to be a fan of anything. All right. So thanks for listening through to the end of this episode. You are up to date on your Krypton to Alderaan canon maximum points on your XP. We would love to hear what you think about Star Wars canon. Follow us on Twitter. Take our little Twitter poll that we'll put up. It should be up by the time this episode (laughs) airs. We're efficient like that. Of course, we're also on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you either way. Leave us a like, comment, review, and we will talk to you on the next episode of Krypton to Alderaan. I've been Royce. I've been Joey. And we've been Krypton Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan.